Welcome to the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast, where high-achieving, goal-oriented rebel women come to learn how to live a vibrant and fulfilling life without requiring alcohol to get through it. No labels, no judgments, no saying you'll never drink again, just real proven methods to help you stop rebelling against yourself with alcohol so you can drink less and do more. I'm your host, Angela Masenik. Let's dig in. Welcome to episode 165, interview with Janet Whalen, sleep coach for midlife women. Welcome to the podcast, Janet. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to talk to you about sleep. Yes, we have such good topics to dig into today. Um, But before we do that, we're going to cover a lot of things sleep and alcohol related. But Janet, why don't you just give them a little introduction to you, who you work with, and how you help people? Sure. Um, So I'm Janet Whalen. I am a sleep coach. I usually say for midlife moms, but I work with quite a few. I work with women. I even work one-to-one with men. So don't be afraid to to reach out if you are a man and you hear this. Um, Been a coach for about five years. A couple of years ago, I also got certified to to provide a program called CBTI, um, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia. That doesn't mean I'm a therapist though. I am a coach. Uh, I just use some of the formats and strategies from CBTI to, um, to complement the coaching work that I do with women. And I, I picked this audience of women in particular because, um, more women than men struggle with insomnia every year. That number went up quite a bit, even during the pandemic. And there's just a lot of people, a lot of women in particular, who've spent a lot of time, you know, focusing on taking care of everyone else and not focusing on themselves. And so I just think, Hey, if we can help some more moms figure out how to sleep and how to feel better about it, then I've done a good job. I love it. But you also had like your own sleep. You were a, you're a recovered insomniac. Is that what you call it? (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit about your story. For sure. So I can remember fighting sleep as a kid, like really young. And I would, my parents would send me to bed and inevitably like 15 minutes later, I would come down the stairs and complain that I couldn't sleep. And they would sometimes let me sit on the couch and watch like Mary Tyler Moore with them or something. And other times it was no, go back to bed and try harder. That was always the advice, right? Which incidentally is the worst advice you can give someone who has insomnia trying harder does not result in good sleep. Um, so I grew up just thinking that there was something wrong with me, that there was just, I was not meant to sleep. I was somehow some kind of special unicorn who needed less sleep than everyone else. Even Mm -hmm. though it was frustrating to me, I didn't know there was anything I could do about it. And I didn't know what was causing it. And I just really struggled through university. I developed, like I turned my schedule almost completely on its head. I was awake all night and slept in the day, Mm -hmm. really made me feel awful. (laughs) Couldn't participate. in you know, half the stuff that was going on at school took me a long time to kind of figure that out. And, um, you know, some traumas that I experienced in life brought it up again. And so having kids and, Mm -hmm. you know, things that happen to us that we can't really control that affect our sleep, but then we learn bad habits about how to manage it while that's happening. And then it just becomes kind of like this vicious circle that you can't feel like you feel like you can't get out of it. Mm -hmm. So I became a, um, a coach five years ago, a couple of years into that, I did the same program you did at the life coach school and decided maybe this is something I can work on with my thoughts. And I did, and I (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I'd been spending like kind of a focused year and a half trying to fix it, like using my Fitbit data and trying to do all the things that you read about on the internet that say Mm -hmm. that will help you with sleep, right? Like keeping your room cool and dark and Mm -hmm. going to bed at the same time and all that stuff. And none of it worked. And my Fitbit just kept reinforcing for me that I was a terrible sleeper. Mm -hmm. And so the thoughts I had that sleep is for chumps and I don't need it. And this is a waste of time just kept me in this cycle of insomnia. 
until I started realizing maybe I don't have to think about it that way. (laughs) There's a better way to think about this. And, uh, and yeah, I was, I managed to fix it. And then I found CBTI and realized, Hey, I didn't invent this. This is actually something that's already out there helping people. And there's actually not enough people, um, who do this work. There's way more people who need it than there are people who help with it. So I decided to make it my work. Yeah. Love it. So um, listeners, I had Janet come into my um, private coaching program, the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living program and do a workshop for us this past weekend. And it was so good and like it pinged me to think I should have it. I should have her for my public audience too, because you have so many good things. And one of the first things I want to talk about is, especially for my clients, I'm guessing it's probably similar to you, is like this fear of when they stop drinking or they significantly cut back on their drinking that they're not going to be able to sleep so many of my clients especially in this middle age you know late 40s to 60 early 60s woman who maybe works outside of the home maybe has kids right like a multi-dynamic life and they've been using wine to go to sleep every night and so the idea that that they won't be able to sleep because they know they've been using alcohol as a tool to help them sleep sometimes prevents them from doing this work to stop over drinking because it's too much for them to do at once. They're like, and I'm not going to be able to sleep and I'm not going to be able to drink (laughs) or, or significantly cut back. Like it's too much to do. Right. So that is an obstacle that they sometimes just aren't willing to go through. So I want to talk about that. So what do you have to say about that fear? Yeah. Oh, this is such a deep topic. We can talk about this from so many angles. Mm -hmm. It's really common, right? Like most of the people who come to me and I, I get a range of different reasons. Some people who are using alcohol, some people who are using like three and four different medications, whether they're over the counter or prescription, um, to be able to feel better about falling asleep. Right. Because it, for someone who's struggling with insomnia, really what's happening is it's a fear of not being able to sleep. It's a fear of I'm going to lie there and feel frustrated and feel all the feelings that I didn't want to feel during my day. Yeah. They're going to come rushing in because it's quiet and I'm not busy now. And I'm not pushing. I don't, I can't push it away because with busyness, because it's quiet and, and nobody's around. Right. So that's when it all comes in and starts working on our thoughts. And And that feels like a lot for people. And so if you're the good news here is that the work that your clients are doing to stop over drinking is a lot of the same work to to sleep better. And a lot of the thoughts that they're working on around, you know, feelings that, that they'd rather avoid than confront or, or allow themselves to feel it's a lot of the same work that we do. Um, we can hand, we could tackle this so many different directions. <laughs> yeah, so I think what I'm hearing you say is that the fear isn't, it's like, it's universal. So even when, if it's just like, say the only problem is sleep yeah. and they've been taking four different sleep aids, including a glass of wine, and they might decide to wean off the sleep aids or mm-hmm. learn, like, is that what you're saying? Like, so like to really solve the sleep thing, they might be scared to do that because they would have, they wouldn't be able to take the sleep aids. Is that what? Right. So there's a, a behavioral model for insomnia that suggests that there are things that kind of cause, um, minor short-term versions of insomnia for us. And most people can just recover from those on their own automatically. They don't have to do anything different or think anything different. They just start sleeping better Mm -hmm. for people who struggle with insomnia. They develop these perpetuating factors, right? So they start using alcohol. They start using medication. They use weighted blankets and like, it's, it's anything that you're going to grasp onto that's outside of you to say, this is my magic sleeping tool. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we tend to put the, we assign the success of our sleep to that thing instead of to the fact that our brain made it okay to go to sleep because we took that thing. It's, it's almost like it's a placebo effect, right? Like we believe it's going to work. So it works because alcohol actually, um, makes your sleep worse. We know this for sure. It makes your sleep lighter. It impairs your deep and REM sleep. Uh, you wake up many more times during the night, but we believe because it helps us feel drowsy at the beginning 
Mm-hmm. But that's at least getting us over that uncomfortable hurdle. But I guarantee you're going to have that uncomfortable hurdle at three o'clock in the morning when you wake up and you feel like you shouldn't be awake right now. Right. right. right? So it's just, it's literally just putting off the, ineb- the inevitable for later. Mm-hmm. You're not actually helping yourself. <laughs> you feel like yeah. you are in the moment, but you're not. Yeah. So, yeah. So how do we deal with the, so say, you know, women want to stop over drinking. And they know that they've been, or using sleep aids, either one or both. Yeah, stop and both. <laughs> and they want to cut back on their drinking and the reliance on these sort of external things to make themselves feel better, right? Yeah. Like, what is the time period? Like, what do you set up them for expectations on what to expect? Or how can you coach them through that fear of what that experience is going to be like? Yeah. So first of all, I, I never set a timeline. That's up to them to set their own timeline, especially if it involves prescription medication, they need to work with their doctor on that. Mm -hmm. And I don't tell them because I have several women who come to me and say, you're going to make me stop drinking, aren't you? Mm -hmm. And I say, I'm not going to make you do anything. (laughs) You want to stop drinking. Like, are you afraid that if you stop drinking, you're not going to be asleep? Because if that's what's happening here, and I think it is based on that question, mm-hmm. um, then we're going to work on that with coaching, right? Like it, it ends up, it ends up being the tools we use to help you sleep are almost secondary. The coaching is like, is the big piece. So mm-hmm. what we, what we do is we start tracking behaviors and, um, things that they're doing around sleep, like what time they go to bed, when do they wake up, what time do they eat, when do they exercise, do they get light in their eyes, all kinds of things like that. We track that over seven days. And then we take sort of the average of that and we see, we, we look at it over a couple of weeks and see like, can we correlate a bad night of sleep with any of these behaviors, right? And when they start to see the data in front of them and they know that every night they had a couple of glasses of wine before bed, they woke up three times in the night Mm-hmm. they can, then they can start making that mental connection and they see that they can be kind of responsible for fixing that. Right. And it's just a lot easier to, if we let go of you, you need to stop drinking to fix this and mm-hmm. just allow let's, well, let's just do the behavior and see what happens. Right. Let's just keep mm-hmm. doing what you're doing and see how it's affecting you. Yeah, and then kind of like tracking the data, like yeah, if you want to stop over drinking and you're worried about sleep, Let's just see and look at the data and, and evaluate how you're feeling the next day. If you're waking up in the middle of the night, all that stuff. So you can have a direct correlation in your mind that this is actually affecting your sleep, not making you sleep better. Right. That's the message. It is because, and I think like, you know how, (laughs) this is always funny. I, I find this with couples, right? Like, well, I, I don't ever tell my husband what I want him to do. It has to be his idea, right? We're all yeah. like that. We all have yeah. to decide that something is our idea. We have to buy in and we have yes. to be, we have to like accept the data and, and our own responsibility for what's love happening. It. I love this so much because I do think it's just like the model in which we're trained, right? Yeah. So like yeah. when you see the impact of your own thinking and how that creates a result in your life, you, and, and you're aware, like the first step is always awareness. And I think this is the thing here, right? So let's get aware of the real impact that alcohol, the full picture of what alcohol is having on your sleep right? And it's okay. Like this doesn't have to be an overnight thing. And then you can decide from that awareness and that consciousness and seeing the impact that has what that looks like for you going forward. Exactly. I I call it like the sort of tagline for my program. It's called permission to sleep. And I say, I teach you to sleep, um, without uh, pills, potions, or needing permission. Right. And so I kind of lump alcohol and any kind of over the counter stuff or prescription medications all in there. However, when people start working with me, if they want to stay on their medications or their go for it, like you work with what works with you, but we're going to, we're going to see, like, you're going to be confronted with, is it actually working just exactly like what you're saying? Right. And then you're going to make the decision for yourself because I can't tell somebody, I mean, I can tell somebody scientifically, you're going to sleep better if you're not using alcohol as a sleep aid. I know this for, we know this for a fact, right. But I can't. 
I can't make you do it. It's like saying somebody, you need to quit smoking because you're going to get lung cancer. Even now with alcohol, you have a more higher chance to get breast cancer when you drink as much as you do. That's not enough. Like we talked earlier about this fear tactic and like, you got to scare your way into do. They all know we're the people that we serve are smart. They are. And they, <laughs> they know all this stuff and it's not helping them figure it out. Right? No, it's made them terrified. And with insomnia, yeah. being terrified of not sleeping, it just makes it worse. Like, and, and same with drinking, right? Like yeah. if you're terrified of the result of change or not changing your life. You're just mm-hmm. going to go hide. You're not going to actually confront yourself with your re- own responsibility in this and say, what can I do? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that probably works temporarily for some people who want to like white knuckle their way through anything. And it's the same it with weight loss. Something. It might kickstart for them to like right. do a program or, you know, get some support or whatever, but it's not a long-term solution. No, it's yeah. like the boogeyman in your closet is now yeah. responsible for your results, not you. Right. Right. And that's, that's not a lasting, uh, it's not a lasting answer. And so with sleep, we know that it works the opposite. Um, not just around kind of the decision that you have to make and your own belief, but it's around the fact that insomnia is in fact made worse by added stress. Right. And so if you're using these fear tactics to scare yourself into trying to sleep better, it's just, it's going to backfire for sure. Yeah. And when people come to me, that's typically like where they are. They're, they're almost all of them say I've tried everything. I, like, I don't buy this. How are you going to fix this for me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I've heard it all. <laughs> I, know, I know. I tried yeah. everything too. Right. Me too. It's the same. I mean, there's so many parallels here with the drinking and the sleep. Um, one of the things that you said that kind of blew my mind, I feel like I need a whole separate podcast on this, but it's this um, idea. It's not a nighttime problem. It's yeah. a 24 hour problem. Let's talk about that. Yeah. This one, I think was one of the key things that helped me turn it on its head, like to really understand everything that I think during the day and all the ways that I behave and treat myself and expectations I have of myself all impact my night. If we just plow through our day and never take a moment to like stop and think about how is my behavior here affecting my stress? How, how is, you know, being a perfectionist or people pleasing my way through my day or whatever it looks like? Um, is, is this honest? Is this making me feel good and relaxed and calm and stress-free, or is this adding to my stress? Because if it's adding to your stress, it's going to show up. Like I was saying earlier, as soon as you put your head on your pillow and life gets quiet. Right. So, um, there's a huge correlation between insomnia and chronic stress for a lot of people. Now I should just stop. There are several reasons people have insomnia that are like their medical reasons, right. Mm-hmm. Or their psychological disorders. Um, I don't deal with any of those. That's something you need a, a doctor for psychiatrist for I'm talking about people who have sort of uncomplicated insomnia yeah. that is stress related. Um, but yeah, that's why it becomes a 24 hour problem. We can't just push everything away all day and expect it not to show up at night. And what happens when we're doing that is we're treating sleep like an on off switch, right? Like we can just go, 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 go all day long and then suddenly flip a switch and be able to sleep. It doesn't work that way. It's more like a dimmer switch. And so if, even if you're expecting that sort of hour of the dimmer switch to make you feel calm and relaxed. Like, I think what some people do is they think I have this work hard, play hard mentality. I'll sleep when I'm dead, but don't worry. I meditate before I go to bed. Right. So it's fine. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, hmm. <laughs> I don't think so. Not usually like you're using your meditation as a weapon against yourself. Right. Yeah. It's not actually how it works. Why don't you do a little meditation during the day? Try Mm -hmm. that and see what happens, right? Mm -hmm. See what comes up when you allow your brain to be quiet or or allow your life to get quiet. And what is your brain telling you in those Mm -hmm. moments? That's the stuff that we need to work on so that it doesn't show up when your head hits the pillow. Right. I mean, it's exactly the same with the five o'clock making dinner transition from home or from work to home or if you're not working out of the house, right? It's like, I call it the buckets of your life what you think about yourself, your health, your relationships, your work, 
many or some external factor like family stuff, right? Like yeah. there's just major buckets that we have in our life and what you think about them during the day creates your experience in your life, right? And then those thoughts that you have about those buckets create these feelings in your body and those feelings drive these different actions. And when you're not aware of all that shit, and then you come to five o'clock and it's time to transition into the evening routine and your brain's like, ah, I just need a glass of wine. I just need to take the edge off. Yeah. We need to get to the root of why there's an edge, <laughs> right? Exactly. And so it's not, it's not about the alcohol. It's about your life, right? And this is yeah. where life coaching comes in and getting to the root right. of all of this stuff. What are you thinking about your relationships? What are you thinking about your job? What feelings are you not looking at during the day? Where are you not giving yourself some time to just close your eyes and take a few deep breaths and process some of that through? So you're not carrying all of that energy with you and all these emotions that are left unprocessed until the end of the day. No yeah. wonder, right? No wonder like we're insomnia, we're, we have insomnia and we overdrink and we overeat and all these things to escape that mental load that we have. You yeah, know, it's like a it's like a big storm cloud that develops throughout the day, right? Yeah. And then like you can see it kind of building in the distance and then it just lets go all this massive rain and thunder and lightning on top of you. Yeah. That's sort of how I picture it as a metaphor. Like you think it's fine, it's maybe threatening in the distance, but it's not hurting you right now, so you can ignore it. Mm -hmm. And then, like you say, five o'clock comes or bedtime comes, and whew, now right. I need and you think I need to run away from that, like the edge yeah. that you're talking about, right? Why do you have an edge? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay if we do have edges, but have better tools. Yeah. Right. And like learn how to use these tools during the day so that you can sleep better at night and drink less. It's how we, how you respond to them. Right. Yeah. And how, yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. it, is it okay yeah. to acknowledge them yeah. <laughs> or do you feel like you need to avoid them and run away from them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's so good. So like when I talk about too, I talk about all the, all, all the time, like this idea, is it fun to drink? Because that's another big fear that people have. It's like, oh, my life isn't going to be fun anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, let's just look at that. Let's just zoom out and look at a 24 hour period, right? You think it's fun to drink for those couple hours at night or out with your friends or whatever. And you overdo it though. We're talking about people that overuse, not just your casual. Yeah you know, having a glass of wine or whatever. Yeah. Is the whole experience fun? How do you feel when you wake up at three o'clock in the morning with heart palpitations, sweating, not be able to get back to sleep, dehydrated, racing mind, right? Is that fun? Yeah. Probably not so much, right? How yeah. does it feel the next morning when you actually get up and get ready? Are you starting your day late? Are you panicked? Are you stressed out? Are you yelling at your kids, right? Is that fun? Probably not. So like when you really dial it down, maybe like 10% of it is fun, but the rest of it is not fun. And so we have to stop telling ourselves these kind of stories like sleep doesn't matter or I'll sleep when I'm dead. It's the same type of situation. It's like we say that to ourselves when we don't want to address it. Totally. I call this like choosing your version of hard, right? Yeah. Everything, both those situations are hard that you describe. Yeah. So which hard do you want? Which hard gives you the result that you want? Yeah. because life isn't always going to feel easy or good, but mm -hmm. how, which version do I feel better allowing myself to go through? Yeah. Um, I get this question or this objection as well. And it's, you're going to make me sleep on a schedule, but I like to be a free spirit. I don't like somebody telling me that I have to do the same thing every day. And I'm like, okay, then don't, how's that working for you? Right. <laughs> you know, like you can keep doing whatever you want to keep doing, but you're coming to me telling me that it's affecting your sleep. Do you want to sleep better? Then we're going to choose which hard you're willing to accept. Right. right. Yeah. And once you can sort of try on some different things like that. And that's, and I always look at it that way, right. It's sort of like trying on different outfits or experimenting with your own body and your own life. Like, let's just yeah. see. Just try something that you're afraid to try and just one thing this week and see how it works. Yeah. You don't have to keep it if you don't want to. Yes. I mean, we're all such rebels. We don't like being told what to do, right? We want to decide what we want to do in the moment. Yeah. And, but I think like what we were talking about earlier is like seeing the results that that 
rebellion causes you sometimes. I'm all about rebelling against societal rules and paradigms and all that shit. Yeah. But like when we it's hard when we rebel against ourselves because it's like we want it, but we don't want it, right? We say we don't we want to cut back, but then we don't want to follow a rule, right? So it's like this constant battle that we have with ourselves that causes more stress yeah. and overwhelm. And then we need to escape from that. And then we just feel bad about ourselves because then we don't follow through when we want what we want. We don't have energy that we want and yeah. we fall back into our old behaviors. Yeah. I think so. with sleep and with over drinking, like it's the same, it's this crutch of the tool that we think is giving us the result, right? The, yeah. the wine is actually saving me. Yeah. And once you can take, remove that, even from one situation, yeah. um, and then see what happens. And then the other thing that happens is as soon as we remove one of those things, there's a rush to replace it with something else. Mm. Right. It's like, well, if I, if I don't have a glass of wine, then what am I going to do? Cause that's yeah. what I do. That's what I do at that hour. Yeah. Right now what? And then it becomes, and this is where I see like a lot of women who have sort of perfectionistic productivity focus type behaviors. Yeah. And they're like, well, I have to fill all these hours. I, I don't know what I'll do if I have to be awake for four more hours. And mm. like, you're taking away the thing that I do. Yeah. Well, you know, like, let's look at that. You know, why do you feel like that's the only thing you can do at that time? I time just not doing anything, yeah. you know, like what we were built. I mean, I don't know what you were raised like, but for me, it was like, we just don't sit around. Yeah. And that's what my family, like we don't, we're not lazy. There's just no, there's no time. To, if there, if you have time to sit down on the couch, there's work that could be done. Yeah. My mom used to say boring people will get bored. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> I mean, I saw, I, like you're, I, not, you're not allowed to be bored. You're not allowed to sit and relax on a Saturday morning or Sunday right. morning or you're wasting you know the I mean? day away. Yeah. Wasting the day away. Yes. Yes. And that, that coincides with a belief that you have to earn your sleep, mm. which is, an, or earn your rest, right? That if you weren't productive enough, your rest equals laziness. I completely do not buy that. That is garbage. And we have to stop like there are people who believe that. And I think it helps them feel, continue to feel productive or like their productivity equals value for them. Mm -hmm. I don't subscribe to that at all. I think that's causing a lot of people, a lot of sleep problems. It might be okay yeah. for people who don't struggle with insomnia, but for people who do, or who tend towards that, it's just another reason to believe that you either did or didn't earn your sleep or your rest. Yeah. It's wild. That's Let's not. talk about some societal stigmas around like that. You know, we've got a lot of parallels between, you know, the support that's available for people and like mass opinion when we think about cutting back on drinking or quitting alcohol and we've got a mass public opinion or what people think like they've been influenced influenced through experts and messaging and Google searches and Apple eye watches and things like that to think about sleep in a certain way, just like we've been influenced to think about issues with alcohol in a certain way. Right. So like for me, it's, you know, I get a lot of pushback, especially in, in the public atmosphere about, Oh, I'm hurting people because you're, you're telling alcoholics that they can drink again. And which is not true at all. I've never said that. That's right. not what we do at all. You know, right. I am a proponent of you getting to choose what kind of relationship you want to have with alcohol and giving you a very safe and healthy space to do that for people that can safely do that without medical supervision. Right. Right. And for you, it's very similar. So talk to us about some of those stigmas. Yeah. So because sleep um, disorders can you know, be quite serious, right? Like there are things like narcolepsy and sleep apnea, and there's certain circadian rhythm disorders and other things like that, that really need to be treated by a doctor or a psychiatrist or a sleep uh, medicine behavioral specialist. Mm -hmm. And those are, that's not the work that I do. I, I'm very careful. I don't treat, I don't diagnose. I'm not a medical professional. I am a coach. So I help you with your stress related insomnia, right? Mm -hmm. At the same time, there's <laughs> those, those specialists and those medical professionals are, are overwhelmed with the amount of people who don't necessarily need the specific service that they require. They, they could probably 
work just fine with me, but they don't know that there, that this is an option that's available, right? Yeah. That you can actually, a lot of people are helped with their sleep by working on their thoughts. In fact, mm-hmm. major, major studies of millions of people have proven that CBTI, which is the, the sort of framework that, that I use, um, works better than Ambien in every head to head study, every yeah. single one. And mm-hmm. it lasts for like the effects last into years, not mm-hmm. just weeks or months or whatever, because it's changing the way that you, you, you believe about yourself and you believe about your sleep. Whereas right. taking an Ambien might help you sleep that night for an extra half hour. And that's the truth. Most of these mm-hmm. sleeping pills only help about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. A gratitude practice gives you the same result, by the way, everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> which one do you want to pick? Right. Right. Um, and, and so for me, it's challenging because I hear don't work with a sleep coach because they're not trained. Well, a lot of them aren't, and that's true, right? So you really have to be careful and you have to know um, who you're working with and have they studied a little bit about sleep. And like, I've worked with two different clinical psychologists who's, who are expert at this. And I made sure that that's where I got my training. Um, but at the same time, I know what I can't um, what I can't help. Right. Like if somebody has bipolar disorder, I, I'm like, no, please go talk to your psychiatrist. I, it's not responsible for me to help you with this. At the same time, there are a lot of people that can be helped with this work. So I'm just kind of like, (laughs) I I don't want to not offer it because I know, I know how many people it helps. Like I, I have clients who tell, I I see it happening. Like within the first three weeks of, of working with my clients, they're always sleeping better. Like, and the only, the very few people it hasn't worked for have been people that I warned at the beginning, this may not work for you because, and ended up being true. And Mm -hmm. I give them a refund. Like that's how I work. Right. I'm not going to guarantee a result when I think that this might not be appropriate for you. And, um, but I, I want to welcome people who've tried other things or who don't have any kind of secondary mm-hmm. medical or psychological thing going on, that this is something to try before you, um, you know, go taking Benadryl or, or right, some right. other yeah. the counter thing. That- like the mass, the mass public opinion on sleep and like what it's required, yeah. like what we need, let's just go. Oh, yeah. What we need, like the parameters around what's healthy, what's not, what we should strive to be doing and like the fear and like the threat of what will happen to us if that doesn't happen. So let's talk about what is real and like what we actually need and what we might want to let go of. Yeah. And this is a, this is a, there are a lot of myths with sleep. Most Mm -hmm. insomnia is caused by our inaccurate thoughts about it actually. And Mm -hmm. if we could just all learn what's actually true, we'd probably solve a lot of it without even having to provide any coaching, but, um, eight hour, the eight hour myth, the sort of, you know, you need eight to 10 hours to be healthy, to avoid getting cancer, to avoid dying early. Um, you know, we hear all kinds of terrifying statistics about what happens if we don't get eight to 10 hours of sleep, but every single study that's been done on this, that's correlated sleep with longevity with long life has shown that seven hours is actually the closest tied most closely to long life Mm -hmm. and that long sleep, which would be, you know, nine or 10 hours or more is more closely tied to early death than short sleep, Mm. believe it or not. So a lot of people are scared into developing insomnia because they get six or seven hours of sleep a night and think they need eight but they're functioning just fine, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're going through their days just fine, but somebody told them, somebody bought them an aura ring or somebody told them, you know, you need to be tracking this because six and a half hours or seven hours isn't enough and you need to do better. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's probably coming from a place of love, right? Like (laughs) everybody thinks this is true. And the truth is, it's just really not. Now, having said that, there's a wide variety of need across age groups, across like based on your sex depends, right? I I could never look at someone and say, you only need seven hours of sleep. Some, some people feel really great on eight. And so eight is good for them. Mm -hmm. It's learning to tie the quality of your sleep to that number and, and what you're making it mean. That's important. 
right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I've learned that if I get about seven and a half hours, sometimes eight, I'm awesome. Like I'm waking up just before my alarm. I feel rested. I don't feel like I need a nap in the afternoon. I'm not getting drowsy um, after lunch, that kind of thing. And I can fall asleep quite easily, like within 15 minutes of going to bed. Mm -hmm. If I get less than that, I start feeling like I'm craving comfort food in the day. I'm snappy with my husband and my kids. I don't feel like doing my work when I need to do it. I just don't feel like kind of in charge of my intentions, <laughs> you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm just reacting to my day and my world instead of mm -hmm. um, approaching it intentionally. And so having learned that that's kind of the balance that I need to strike to feel good for me, that's what I shoot for. But I'm also not really regimented about it either, because I know that being regimented is going to take me back into this sort of cycle. So I, I pay attention to my drowsiness signals. I, I, you know, think about, well, it's getting around the time that I normally go to bed. How am I feeling right now? Mm -hmm. Like, do I feel drowsy? Can I, do I, am I yawning or are my eyes kind of drooping? Like we all have different kind of drowsiness signals, but you, yeah. you know, yours, if you pay attention to them mm -hmm. and that becomes your bedtime, right? You don't, you don't buy into any of this stuff that says, um, everybody needs to have a couple of hours of sleep before midnight, because that's the most healthy sleep. Like there's lots of people who don't go to bed till midnight and they sleep till seven or eight and they're just fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're all different. You have to figure out what feels good to you. Yes. There's also a, um, there's a thing called core sleep. So about five and a half hours of sleep seems to be the amount of sleep that most people need in order to function cognitively and physically, um, for their next day. That doesn't mean that that's what we're shooting for. It just means if that's what you're getting, please don't freak out and worry and make it mean all kinds of horrible things are about to befall you because it's probably not true. Yeah. You're, not, you're not really experiencing sleep deprivation until you're getting, you know, less than five and a half or six on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I guess like for people that want to cut back or wean off a sleep aid or something like that, the short term tiredness that they might feel as they learn to fall asleep without needing things, working on their underlying stress during out the day, like that's not going to be, that's temporary. Right. So in like the health impacts of that, what would you say? There, I, I tell everyone what, who, because there's a part of my program where that happens inevitably. Mm -hmm. And it's usually in the second week. And I warn people this, this week, you're probably going to feel like garbage. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just be real, right? I'm not telling you this is going to feel good. Mm -hmm. We're changing your schedule. We're changing the way you think about sleep. We're changing a lot of stuff. And, um, and you're not used to this. It's not how you have been sleeping. Mm -hmm. Let's just prepare for that and know that when it shows up, we know what it is. Mm -hmm. It's not causing you any physical harm. You're probably getting the same amount of sleep or more than you did in the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. I just ask you not to drive. <laughs> that's the biggest, yeah. like that's literally the biggest health risk to somebody who is going through something like that is when you are overtired, it's similar to being drunk, right? Your reaction time is, is much slower. Uh, you really shouldn't be behind the wheel or operating heavy machinery. So mm -hmm. that's, that's like the biggest risk other than that, I'm like, okay, just know that you, you feel tired. Great. You know what feeling tired means you're building up great sleep pressure. So you're going to have a great sleep tonight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the way to start thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Our body wants to feel this, like feeling tired is not something to run from. This is a, actually a great thing that, you know, that your body feels tired. You're recognizing it. So yeah, when yeah. it comes up tonight, you know, this means go to bed, <laughs> right? right? Instead of, Oh, I hate this feeling. And this is the feeling I get when I, you know, I, and I let myself fall asleep on the couch and then I wake up and go to bed and my eyes are wide open. Well, yeah, because your brain believes couch is where you sleep, not your bed. And you've laid in bed so many nights that you've developed a fear of lying there wide awake. And your brain is not correlating this as a place to sleep anymore. It's not correlating this as a place that feels comfortable and restful and cozy and safe. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So what are some, that was really good. I think that's just like removing the fear is huge, right? Like, yeah. 
not worrying about it, not worrying about long-term effects. It all is temporary. It's, it's discomfort, right? There is a payoff in the end of it though, right? So that that's what I like to remind my clients and I'm sure it's similar for you. It's like, be willing to feel some planned discomfort on the yeah. on the beginning end of it so that you get the benefit of freedom, right? Of going to sleep when you want, you know, when your body's ready, restful sleep, not stress out about it all day. Same thing with drinking. Be willing to sit with those urges and be uncomfortable and say no sometimes, right? Because yeah. when you work through that in the beginning, the freedom is on the other side, the peace of mind, the ability to have fun in any situation, not worrying about what people think. That's what's waiting for you. Yes. And it's, you you won't recognize that um, that benefit as much if you didn't feel the pain first, right? Like it's kind of like this was not the price of the benefit, but kind of like this is how I know that this other version of heart is what I want to choose. Yeah because I did, it's still better than the way I was living. Yeah. Yeah. Which so felt out of control and like scary. And right. at least like this, this discomfort is something that you've chosen to do, right? right? You're taking it's you taking action towards the life that you want to live and experience. Right. And part of that feels uncomfortable, but it's also like your choice. It's not be happening to you. Like it is just kind of happening right now. Like the discomforts are just sort of like the side effect that we have with over drinking and lack of sleep. But when you choose to work on it, those discomforts are like worth it, right? It's like, this is what it takes sometimes. Yeah, exactly. It's so much more empowering. Yes. To know that you chose that and you chose this result. And yeah. that if you go back to that old behavior that you just allowed to happen to you, Mm -hmm. that you're going to keep getting the old result. And it's like, and I, I really, this is why I, I say it's like an experiment because I think a lot of people just have to see that, right. They think right. that the other thing just happened to them. They don't realize how much they participated in the other choice. Yes. We're always making a choice. You just, you, you were kind of abdicating your responsibility for the yes. choice in the first scenario. Mm -hmm. And this one, you're just much more aware of it. Yeah. Because you've decided on the result you want. You're in the other one, it's like, well, I'm going to choose to use this tool or this crutch. In this one, you're saying, I'm going to choose this result. Yeah. Right. And that's the difference. That's great. Yeah. So as we wrap up here, what are maybe like some the top three recommendations that yes. you think people should try? Like if they're just listening to this podcast and like, okay, I want to work on this. What do they do? Okay. So these are um aside from the thought work and the other stuff that we've been talking about, one of the best things you can do for your sleep is to get actual outside natural light in your eyes. Okay. Cause sleep is, I, I call sleep coaching like an art and a science because it really is like the coaching part is the art and it's based on the science of our circadian rhythm. That is a biological process that we're just getting in the way of that's all that's happening, right? We're just putting ourselves and our brain in the way of this thing that wants to be happening every 24 hours. The big, one of the biggest pieces of that is light. It's what drives light hitting your retinas in the morning is what kicks off a whole series of hormones and neurotransmitters that tell your body it's time to wake up. Now mm -hmm. it increases your heart rate and your blood pressure and gets you kind of going right. And then when light goes away at the end of the day and triggers melatonin and lowering your cortisol and your stress hormones and all the things that keep you awake, you want the opposite. So in the morning, even if you can just be outside for 15 or 20 minutes, like if you're someone who drinks coffee in the morning and you can just do that on your front step or better yet, go for a walk because uh, moderate exercise is actually the best, one of the best natural sleep aids there is. Um, and get your light in your eyes in that way. And you've kind of killed two birds with one stone. Mm -hmm. Um, that's one of the key ones. Okay. Every day we're meant to be outside, right? We're not meant to be in our house. And even in a well lit house, we're not getting anywhere near, like it is a fraction of the amount of brightness that mm -hmm. our circadian rhythm really needs to, to okay. be kicked into gear. So that's the first one. The next one is, um, stop worrying about a bedtime routine um, be, hold that really lightly. Like anything that you think is, um, you should do <laughs> just, I'm making air quotes right now, uh, to sleep better. I kind of say like, 
pretend that thing is like an egg in your hand, right? Like just hold that thing really lightly. And, and don't, as soon as you see yourself kind of tensing and your hands are like wrapping around that egg, you're going to, you're going to break it and it's going to run down your arm and that's gross. Nobody wants that. So hold, just hold that idea kind of lightly and be like, what do I want the hour before I go to bed to be right? I, I don't want a whole list of things that if I don't do them right, I'm going to beat myself up about. Mm-hmm. So what are things I enjoy? What are things that relax me? What are things that, um, that I, I say, you know, have a basket of these ideas of whether it's a mental yeah. basket or a physical one and just pick two or three that, that you really like to do. So bedtime routines, out the window, you should just have sort of this wind down hour instead. Mm -hmm. And then the last one I suggest is that the most important part of your schedule is your wake up time, Mm. seven days a week, same time, no matter Mm. what, no matter how you slept the night before, um, wake up at the same time. And that's one of the most, um, uh, one of the biggest drivers of like helping you regulate your your circadian rhythm, your body will adjust. It's kind of, if you think about it, like, um, traveling time zones, right. That's what happens when we sleep in, we create this sort of lifestyle or social jet lag for ourselves. Mm. When you sleep in an hour or two hours every weekend, you're just shifting your whole circadian rhythm, like one or two time zones. So, and we know this when the time changes twice a year, right. It takes a couple days to sort of get back to feeling like we're yeah. I've never really thought about right? that. How that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. And so imagine doing that every freaking weekend. That's this is it. What we do. So there's this thing called a uh, Sunday night insomnia and people think it's about work, but it's really usually because they slept in now they can't sleep. So they're thinking about work because that's the thing that's stressing them out. But it's really, if you, if you didn't sleep in all weekend and you got up at the normal time, you would have fallen asleep and not had time to worry about your work. Wow. You wouldn't have had that Sunday night insomnia. Yeah. So, yeah. It's the going to piss a lot of people off, Jan. Right. I know. I know. They're it's like, no, the- sorry, not doing that. It's the That's- only time I get to sleep in. So this is like when we're talking about, you know, societal <laughs> kind of things, this is one of the big ones, right? We're taught sleeping in as a treat. Yeah. Right. We're taught like, give yourself that time. And think about how many social media images you've seen of like women lounging with their laptop in their bed, right? That's the worst thing you can be doing. (laughs) Like stop working in your bed, stop sleeping in. These are your bed is for sex and sleep. That's it. Okay. Okay. And then I mean, I'm not pissed off about this, (laughs) but (laughs) (laughs) I know that people listening to this podcast, like that's where I draw the line. These are so the like, ways how, how do we overcome that? Like what's some, what's some easy things that they can consider to think about, like what the benefit of that is like, the, yeah, the biggest yeah. benefit is time, right? So as soon as you stop, I, I say sleep as, um, or sleep coaching is like winning the time lottery. And this is why, because as soon as you stop all of these behaviors that are taking up time in your day. And Mm -hmm. I guarantee that if you're someone who's sleeping in, you have all kinds of thoughts about that. Like we just said, one of them is this is the only time I get, Mm -hmm. um, this is a treat for me. Uh, I deserve it. It's because Mm -hmm. I don't get enough sleep during the week. I'm going to catch up all these thoughts that are inaccurate. Mm -hmm. Um, once you stop that behavior and you realize how much more time you have in your day, because I also guarantee those people who are complaining that I'm going to ruin their schedule and take away all their fun and all the rest of it are the same ones who say, well, I wish I could go to the gym, but I don't have time. Or I would love to go for a walk, but, um, I don't have time and I don't see my husband enough or we don't have time for a date night. Cause I just, we don't have time. And I'm like, well, you're spending half your day worrying about sleep, planning for sleep and not sleeping but spending all that time in bed frustrated, right? What if I could give it all back to you as time for you? What would you yeah. do with that? Yeah. Right. Love it. That's the biggest benefit. And, is, and you start to see that one really quickly when you change yeah. your attitude about your sleep schedule. That's, that's what I was talking before about people always say, well, I know I'm going to be a rebel. I, I, you can't own my sleep schedule. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, you're just going to, how is that helping you today? Up. How is that helping you right now? Yeah. Let's like, let's be open to it. I know like I'm kind of like over-exaggerating, but I just know oh, if somebody were to tell me that I would be like, no, sorry. 
Yeah. I think that you're smart, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> but like that resistance is something you want to ex examine and like look into it a little bit. That, that, that might be the thing that changes everything. I don't sleep in on the weekends. Yeah. That's going to shine a huge Almost five o'clock, five thirty every day of the week. And I love it. And I don't care. I don't feel like I'm not missing anything. I love my morning routine. You know, it's, yeah. it's a good thing, but as like if i it's hard for us because we're past the problem right you're past your sleep issues totally. i'm past my over drinking so it's easy for us to say now oh yeah that's what i do it's not a big deal right like yep. it's great but thinking back to when i was an over drinker this would be a huge thing for me to like i i did not like morning you know what I mean? So I would do room darkening shades and I was yeah. a freak about sound. And if, if my husband made a sound in the morning, there would be hell to pay, you know, if he woke me up. And yeah. so I, we get listeners, we understand like that this is a big obstacle. It's, we understand that it may seem impossible to consider something like that, but you can do it. We've done yeah, it. Yeah. I think the other side of it is like, because we understand so deeply what that felt like, yeah. that's why we're so like, oh yeah. my God, it's so obvious now. And I wish yeah. you know, like, these are the things that I don't have a lot of regrets in my life. But when I think about like how much time I wasted thinking that way and worrying about oh. that, I, yeah. I think, oh my gosh, I could have used that time in so much more happy I ways. Mean, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the money that I spent trying yeah. to sleep in you know, the room darkening shades and the sound machines and placement of rooms and, you know, telling my husband how to take the kids out of the house so I could sleep. I mean, the, the dramatic, like undertaking that that was right. We, we talked uh, about like some of this in your workshop too, right. Around like the dramatic thoughts, even about our husbands, right. And how yeah. they were impacting our sleep or <laughs> Yes. How they were responsible for the fact that we didn't get to rest or we didn't get to shut down or whatever. Yeah. And all of that is just tied up in, in these beliefs that the thing that I'm doing is the only way that I'm getting to sleep right now. Right. And if you take that away from me, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Right. Like you're going to ruin everything that's good, yeah. but not realizing how much good we were sacrificing on our own, like yeah with our own free will. <laughs> right. we know, but we know that now because we're yeah. on the other side of it. So it's like, if you all only knew <laughs> what this felt like, you would be, I wrote this in an email recently. It's like, you would be willing to do whatever we told you to do, yeah. invest as much money as you possibly could to fix it. If you could experience what yeah. Janet and I have on the other side of this. So totally hundred yeah. percent agree. With you. <laughs> Any final comments? How can people follow you? Like, do you have social media? Oh, I do. So yeah, I am at Janet Whalen coaching on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I have a, um, a worksheet for anyone who struggles with sort of calming their anxious thoughts in their mind. Like when you lie down and you think your brain is just like so busy and your thoughts are racing. Mm -hmm. If you go to janetwhalen.com forward slash sleep, there's a link there for you to download that. And it's super helpful um, to do a couple hours before bedtime, or even just in those moments where you're really frustrated and you just don't know how to stop thinking these things. I guarantee most of the, you think it's 17 things. Most of the time it's three. Yeah write them down, put an action plan to them and, um, and just empty your brain of them. And that it's a big help and it's not this solution for sleep, but it's, it's a really helpful tool. And then once you sign up for that, you get a bunch of other stuff for me that, um, that you will find helpful as well. Awesome. Yeah. Yay. Thank you so much. I'll link all this up in the show notes, everybody. So you'll be able to click through and get that worksheet and follow her on the socials. But this was lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I can talk about sleep any day. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Oh, that was so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Janet, for coming on. You are going to help a lot of people sleep better and get over the fear of reducing how much you're drinking and what the quality of your sleep could look like. So if you guys want to join me and stop over drinking and start living, I am taking applications to join the group coaching program. So click through and get your applications in and you're on your way to sleeping better and drinking less. I promise. Talk to y'all soon. Bye.